Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Live podcast. It's Wednesday and it's March 17th. And so if you're not Catholic or Irish, stop celebrating a holiday that has none of your concern, you appropriators of holidays. I'm just kidding. Welcome to the Lib. Thank you so much for listening. We've got so very, very much to talk about today. I'm not even sure where to begin. Um, let's see here. Well, let's let's start with some congratulations, shall we? According to CDC, uh, we've crossed the uh, 100 million uh, threshold of the Trump vaccine, making it into people's arms. Now, of course, you're probably not hearing it stated that way in the news, and this is well beyond or well before the goal of the the underperforming goal of the Biden administration, um, which pretty much every goal there is underperforming. That way, when everything is way above it, they can say, see, look at what we did. <clears throat> Pardon me. The reason that I refer to it as a Trump vaccine is that President Trump had purchased over 400 million doses of vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer and Johnson and Johnson prior to leaving office. In fact, the the slowness of the rollout had nothing to do with the pharmaceutical companies, and it had everything to do with the states that were not ready, even though all during the campaign, even though all since COVID began, President Trump had said it was going to be ready before the end of the year. It's going to be ready before the end of the year. In August, it's going to be ready before the end of the year. Of course, little Lord Fauci was, oh, no, it's not going to be. It's not going to be. And so what happened? States, of course, uh, did not prepare. And when it comes to uh, health and human services, contrary to why we even have a health and human services, which is unconstitutional uh, on the federal level, um, it's the state's responsibility to deal with that stuff. The states are the ones that are best positioned to roll it out, however it is, whether it's to uh, um, send people out to nursing homes, whether it's to uh, go to schools. Well, in red states, it's go to schools and put shots in arms. Um, For blue states, it's go to Jamaica or Puerto Rico or wherever the teachers are vacationing um, to put shots in arms there except for that when they get a shot, then they don't have an excuse. And so uh, some of them are evading that. Oh, sorry, editorial comment. But it's the state's role to manage that stuff. And so the slowness of the rollout had everything to do with the states either being unprepared or, You know, in any other age, we would think that this is unthinkable. We didn't want to have good numbers under Trump. But, of course, we can't help but think that now. You know, if you remember the day that Pfizer announced uh, 
uh, it was a Pfizer Moderna, Moderna, I think, had theirs first, you know, and, and Governor uh, Don Cuomo, um, the thug, said, oh, if only this had come out under Biden. Remember, all the distrust that the Democrats and the media put on the vaccine, is it any wonder there's a reluctance in taking it for months and months and months? We were told not to trust this vaccine because it became, it was, it was a Trump vaccine. But lo and behold, January 20th, all those magical, all those vials turned into magical Biden vaccines. And you can trust them now. Yeah, enough of that. Um, Election news. Can we talk about election news for a little bit? I know that we're all tired of hearing it, and I keep harping on it and bringing it up and and all this such. Um, In Georgia, did you know that a judge in Georgia had ruled that absentee ballots, uh, a.k.a. mail-in ballots, can be unsealed? Uh, to be verified after the fact. A, federal, a judge has ruled that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, the state of Georgia is moving full steam ahead on on uh, tightening up their election laws uh, in spite of the executive branch's disregard of the state statutes. Um, and by the way, just as clarification, you know, uh, much of the many of the Trump lawsuits had to do with the fact that it's the state legislature that determines election law, and for executive branch employees or the governor himself to arbitrarily change election law after the fact should have been ruled unconstitutional. However, the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it before because you didn't have standing, and the Supreme Court is pulling the, well, it's moot now because the election's over. But speaking of that, a judge in Michigan has ruled that, lo and behold, the Secretary of State, who changed the law in late October regarding how to verify signatures on mail-in ballots, that that was unconstitutional and shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened. Now, of course, it doesn't change anything in Michigan. You know, but again, here's another, another situation where apparently it's possible that Trump was right. I mean, we all knew that, right? I mean, if if you didn't know that, then you're, you've got your head in the sand. I mean, here's the deal. According to the Constitution, the state legislatures set how electors are selected, i.e., they are the ones that determine election law. It's that simple. And what happened in certain states, such as Pennsylvania, Georgia, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada. Someone from the executive branch, either the Secretary of State or the election board, 
changed the law, changed the statute. It's not a case of voter fraud, although I suspect there was voter fraud. It's a case of the law in those states being grossly violated. In fact, in Pennsylvania, we can go so far as to say not only did not only did the executive branch and the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court violate state statute, but in reality, the state legislature violated the Pennsylvania Constitution because Pennsylvania Constitution clearly defines how you have mail-in ballots which are absentee ballots. And the state legislature passed a statute saying, okay, this is how we're going to do mail-in ballots, but it was in violation of the Pennsylvania state constitution. And it should have been done as constitutional amendment. Funny we don't hear about that except for places like here. Also, of course, just as a reminder, the Washington Post, uh, now that everything's over and nobody cares, uh, they had to issue a retra- uh, correction on their misreporting of Donald Trump's phone call with the investigation of the Georgia election. Um, now, the question is, the anonymous source for, was it the anonymous source for the Washington Post that told them that Trump said to find fraud? Or did the Washington Post make that leap on their own? The thing is, who can tell today? Not that it matters now, of course, but this was a key factor Uh, perhaps, in the Georgia runoff election. I mean, here here the president was trying to interfere in Georgia um, election politics. May have been a factor. And they used the Washington Post, the, the Democrats in the Congress, they used Washington Post as a credible source. I don't know why, I don't know how. Uh, that just wasn't ruled out of order, except for that there's no defense attorney in the impeachment. But it was used as a credible source for the impeachment. You know, Washington Post reports it, then CNN reports it, then MS, whatever they are. I get confused because I, I hear MS, uh, um, PM, MS, PM, or PMS, NBC, or uh, whatever. You know, the, the whack jobs over there on the cable NBC channel. You know, and they report it as fact. And so then it's entered into the congressional record as fact. See, this is just like the phone call that President Trump had with Ukraine that was leaked by a friend of a friend of a friend. Remember that? over the Ukraine affair, the person that actually heard the phone call was not the whistleblower. It was a friend of the person that heard the phone call. And remember, uh, 
uh, Chairman Schiff for Brains, um, when he when he entered as his opening statement into record, so that historical record will read that trans that transcript as if this was a factual record of the president's recording. A lie. But we go on. Anyway, we're going to take a break right here, and then we're going to talk about the border. I've been wanting to talk about this one for a while, and I'll expand on that when I get right back. Welcome back to the Snake River Lib, and we're going to be spending the rest of the time talking about the border. It could go super fast, or it could drag out a little bit. I'm going to try to not drag it. Thank you so much for listening, by the way. I certainly do appreciate that. Um, where do I begin? Um, let's begin with talking about who's running the border, shall we? If you thought it was the Border Patrol, um, or perhaps the Mexican army on the other side, well, you're wrong. It's the cartels, people like MS-13. They're the ones who dictate who comes across the border. Did you know that? That kind of makes you wonder, do we want the illegal immigrants that are coming across the border that MS-13 has chosen to send across? Are those the people that we want in our country? Just saying. Um, And about those unaccompanied minors, I wonder... Were they unaccompanied all the all the way from their home country of Honduras or El Salvador or Guatemala or wherever, or from, even from Mexico? Or were their parents ditched in Mexico and sent across by um, the gangs so as to get a foot in the door? Hmm? I wonder about that. COVID, you know, if if for no other reason, and if you want to know why the COVID stuff coming out of the White House is a lie, and why every single person should write their congressman, especially if you live in a Democrat district, and say, why is it that you're putting the hammer down on American citizens regarding this COVID crap, but yet you're letting people come in without testing them. If you're overseas and you're trying to get back to the United States, you have to have a negative COVID test to get on a plane. Think about that. But, heck, they don't even test you at the border. They just bring you in, you just turn yourself in, you just tell them that you're a refugee, and you know they t- give you a court date and they take you to the bus station where the bus station tests you. And if you test positive, they tell you, well, you're supposed to go quarantine for two weeks. They don't make you. They let you if you get up on the bus, they they that's fine. So this is where all the COVID stuff you could rationally make the argument that it's a lie. Because if it wasn't a lie, 
if they were serious, every single person that went into custody would get a COVID test. Here's another laugher. There's $4 billion left in the, the funding for the wall or fence or whatever you want to call it. You know, you've seen the pictures if you watch any kind of news at all of here you have a port of entry where they're not letting people through. But 50 yards one direction of the port of entry is a big gap of unfinished fence. And so people are just pouring through the fence there. Finish the wall, especially if you're serious about COVID. Force people to go through a port of entry. The money's already there. I mean, you put people out of work, good-paying jobs out of work. I know, green jobs, but where are those green jobs? You know, those people have been out of work now for two months. Have they been hired in a green job yet? Building solar panels and windmills? These guys are like Don Quixote, tilting at windmills. I kind of want to finish up with this. You know, um, there was some commentary on one of my uh, posts regarding the fact that, you know, Biden's trying to Biden's people are trying to say, well, we inherited a broken system. Well, you know what? Every single president has inherited a broken system since uh, Senator Kennedy in 1965 uh, was able to pass through and Johnson signed the new immigration bill allowing for mass immigration of unskilled labor. Since then, you know, I mean, President Reagan said that the dumbest thing that he ever did in president as a president was uh, to sign sign the immigration bills without making sure that border security was done first. You know, you'd probably get a lot of Repu well, who knows? Republicans are squishes now, um, but you'd probably get a lot of Republicans uh, to buy off on amnesty if you would just find some way to shut the shut the tap. on, on uh, new immigration. You know, I mean, you can't deport at least 22 million. And when they say, oh, we, we want to uh, make 11 million citizens, that number is false, and it is ridiculously false. It's grossly underestimated by at least half, if not more. If there were 30 million illegal immigrants in this country, that would not surprise me in the least. Now, people would say, well, as a libertarian, how are you being such a tough guy on border security? Because then there's a catch-22 argument, right? You can't say on one hand, well, all these people are coming here uh, to take jobs that no Americans will do. And on the other hand, saying, well, they're coming here to get 
welfare, right? Because those are contradictory to a certain extent. Um, to a certain extent, they're contradictory. And so you can say, well, you know, aren't you a free market? I said, okay. Free market it is. You know, because Milton Friedman was asked this very question, Milton Friedman, a, a Nobel Prize winning ec economist. Well, I mean, that should mean something, but then again, uh, Paul Krugman at the New York Times is a Nobel winning economist. And so, just as a point of reference. Um, but Milton Friedman actually knew what he was talking about. Um, he was not opposed to um, open immigration. Um, that's typical. It's a good libertarian theory. But there are too many things here that make it very enticing for people to come here. One of them is the welfare state. You know, you have the term anchor babies, which, of course, is very offensive. To me, anchor babies are unconstitutional. Um, the 14th Amendment does not guarantee citizenship of people just because they're born in the United States, especially if their parents are, are not here legally. Um, I mean, because, you know, that's the thing. People run across the border to have a baby. Because once you have that baby, technically they say unconstitutionally, in my opinion, that that baby is an American citizen and they sign him up for all sorts of welfare benefits. And because the baby has welfare benefits, then you, of course, then you have to deal while the mother has to have this, that, and the other, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And you say, okay, well, here's the thing. You know, and this try, they tried to do this in regards to the minimum wage. Uh, Mitt Romney... Uh, Pierre Delecto tried to tried to pass a minimum wage of ten dollars an hour, and that the employers had to use mandated the use of E-Verify. Now I'm not opposed to the use of E-Verify, and if E-Verify was mandated on employers, and there was follow up. I could foresee a time where you could say, okay, let's, we can allow for immigration and open immigration so far, so long as the people that come across the border get registered. But you see, if people get registered and sign up and such, then you have to deal with things like the minimum wage and such. And when you have to sign up for the minimum wage all at once, hiring somebody that could get you fined or have your business shut down if they're caught on your payroll becomes a lot less attractive. Because enforcement at the employer level would be very effective in curbing illegal immigration. Because many of these people, and many immigrants are indeed here to work. I'm not arguing that. But the problem is, as long as you're not using E-Verify or enforcing employment laws, 
then that person, I don't know if you heard about the person in Baltimore, he's a... Uh, was supposedly going to graduate, has a .13 GPA, has been failing his classes for three years, found out he wasn't going to graduate. He's going to have to start over. Mother was surprised. He was surprised, you know, because he'd just been passed on. He went from English 1 to English 2 to English 3. How does that happen? But beside the case, uh, there's, there's no question cities like Baltimore, Detroit, uh, inner St. Louis, uh, any of the large cities, mostly controlled by Democrats, and the school districts controlled by Democrats. Well, all school districts ultimately are controlled by Democrats through the teachers' unions. But all these urban schools, some of which are the most richly funded when you count uh, uh, dollars per student, have the worst performing students in the country. The thing about the one in Baltimore I just told you about, he was in the middle of his class. Not the bottom. He had a .13 GPA, and he wasn't at the bottom of his class. Three years earning, missed 273 school days. Take that, Ferris Bueller. So you have someone here who at best can be also considered uneducated, likely unskilled. He goes and applies for a job and say he's really trying to find a job, which many people are. They just Most people want to try to get their way out of that cycle. But he can only be hired as unskilled labor. And so he has to be hired at the minimum wage. But that's all right, because, you know, there's certain skills you can teach. However, an employer that, you know, routinely hires people who, who um, are not here legally can pay them half the minimum wage, especially if it goes up to $15 an hour. You just cost that kid a job because of the minimum wage. Because the employer won't hire him when he can hire somebody else if they're that kind of employer. And there's no uh, check on that situation. So tell you what. You want an open border? then you have everybody registered in the country. Go to a consulate of their country, either online or physically. Register, get a federal tax ID. And so that whomever they're working for is that they are competing fairly with American workers. And then you spend your effort, instead of trying to keep people out of the country, you spend your effort closing down businesses that are cheating the system. Is that a very libertarian thing? No. 
But you see, you're going to have to have a balance somewhere on that. You know, who do you hurt more? You know, do you hurt the individual at the border? You know, but you know what will happen? If you start cracking down on that and making those jobs, making it so that employer has to decide whether he's going to hire somebody who can't speak English, who doesn't really have a permanent address, or somebody that does have an address, has lived in the, the, the town his whole life, is trying to do something because he's brought up by a single mother and has been screwed over by the U.S. education system. And speaks, doesn't speak a good English, but he can speak a passable English. Who are you going to choose? You know, no more under the table. Or just get rid of the minimum wage. You know, let the let Johnny who did so poorly in school compete at the same level. I'm all for that too. You know, but the the playing field is unfair currently. I even talked about the welfare, although I did point out the the 14th Amendment does not protect children born here of illegal immigrants, no matter what the Constitution has said or what Supreme Court precedent has said. Supreme Court precedent also said blacks could not be citizens. So take that. This is a lib. As you're watching, portion sizes getting smaller in restaurants and packaging sizes getting smaller at the grocery store. Just remember, this is a byproduct of printing massive amounts of money, and it's a very real form of theft. Have a great day.